Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Utah Liberty Talk. This is David, TR for Freedom, and this is episode 11. Um, I'm looking to have Dr. Cottom on the show with me very soon. He is running as a libertarian for governor here in Utah, and I've been working with his vice, and I've emailed him a little bit back and forth. So we're going to try and get him on the show here soon to try and get his opinions out there and try and get more information on him and his run for governor. Um, I don't like to do advertisements on this because, like I always say, this is about the movement and not the money, but I do have some liberty-minded gear on a website done by Utah Liberty Talk called libertyandboogforall.com. Uh, you can't find it uh, by searching it on Google because there's some stuff on there that will cause it to get taken down, let alone the name of the website. So you can find it on any of my social media, tr for freedom um, on Instagram. You can find it on my Facebook. You can find it on my Twitter, Tyson underscore Reese 1776. And you can find it on Utah Liberty Talk, both on Instagram and Twitter. So that is not an advertisement, advertisement for the day. If you want to support the show, if you want to support libertarian ideas, if you want to support the philosophical movement, head on over to libertyandboogforall.com, where you can find tons of liberty-minded, boogaloo-minded, and anti-government apparel. With that being said, let's jump right into the episode. This episode doesn't really have a topic. It's going to be very sporadic. There's going to be some random things I talk about, and I'm going to try not to ramble on about stuff I've talked about in previous episodes for those who constantly listen. But Kanye West has announced his run in 2020, which is very interesting. Hashtag Vision 2020. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what kind of votes he gets from people. Kanye West, however, has come out that he is going to be pro-life and reinstate prayer back in uh, schools and stuff like that, um, which I'm not a fan of, but Kanye West is very critically thinking. He is some sort of, uh, some sort of psychotic genius, I guess, in some ways. Um, yeah, he could be a very troubling individual and not someone I don't think, not someone I think I would want to run the country, but he, uh, had Elon Musk around him, by him, uh, around the time when he announced it, and Elon Musk, as I have expressed many a times before, is a Chad and based, and uh, he totally knows what he's talking about, so I really like Elon Musk, so it'd be really interesting to see Elon Musk work on his campaign and to see what kind of votes they take from people. Um, I'm sure that they're going to take from the left, from the right, from the middle, and from the libertarians. That being said, um, he's going to have a lot of evangelicals on the right go for him, I'm sure, uh, especially African-Americans who are conservative and are evangelical um, because many of them are Christian. And him coming out with his pro-life reinstate prayer back in churches is something that is a very new platform. Um, and many Republicans, though not all of them, have seen that Donald Trump has failed them. So they might be looking for a different independent conservative option. Also, many people are waking up to the corruptness and the horridness of the two-party system. Uh, it's, it's funny to me that the Democrats, you know, I'm no fan of Democrats as I'm no fan of Republicans, but they couldn't have come up with a better representation for their party than Joe Biden, Trump for president, the man who can't even formulate a sentence correctly. I mean, he's a complete shit show. He, he doesn't know what he's talking about, and the only thing he's running on is, well, he was Obama's vice. So this is the best that the Democrats have to try and get Obama back, which um, I guess was their saving grace for them in some ways. I'm not really a fan of Obama. Uh, the corporate bailouts, the bombing people overseas ridiculously, the way he treated immigrants at the border... Uh, Obama was a great speaker, and unfortunately, that's what gets a lot of leftists to cling to them because they speak with emotions rather than logic. 
in a lot of ways, not saying in all ways, but in a lot of ways. So that's why I left this like Obama so much, and I'll give him credit. He was a good speaker, but his points were often flawed. His actions never um, backed up what he was doing. He basically ran on the platform of ending stupid overseas wars in 2008, which, you know, I would be a very big fan of, but Obama never followed through with that, as does almost every candidate that runs for president follow through with that. And probably deep state, special interest, elitist stuff that we cannot conceive or cannot uh, understand um, what's going on because it is just far too deep for us to comprehend and there's just so much information that we don't know. What we do know is that Gaylene Maxwell did plead not guilty when she went to court um, and also that the Epstein files are not to be used in the court cases, the stuff that was used to... Um, to lock up Jeffrey Epstein. So that's going to be very interesting to see how this kind of stuff is going to go down. But um, I wouldn't be surprised, like many people have expressed, if Gaylene Maxwell somehow died in the next couple weeks. Um, people won't be surprised. And that being said, along that note of human trafficking and the disgusting acts done by Jeffrey Epstein, Gaylene Maxwell, uh, Wayfair, there's you know a bunch of talk going around about them human trafficking on their website, which wouldn't surprise me. Uh, documentaries and videos have pointed out that Wayfair is likely a very, very strong suspect in, in the situation where businesses are doing it and being paid to do it by elitists and other sorts. Um, let's also talk about, since we're on this issue of human trafficking, the high amount of celebrities that were uh, consistent flyers to Epstein Island, uh, including but not limited to Jay-Z, Oprah Winfrey, Tom Hanks, Will Smith, I mean, tons of other people. So I think that, you know, this, this kind of thing is, is bigger than what we imagine. There's tons of conspiracies, which, you know, I don't like to get too much in the conspiracy side of things, but I all, when I'm talking about my opinions, but, you know, I also think that in many scenarios that that is the way to go. Um, they are, all participating in this kind of stuff. And you've seen Republicans talk about it, which, you know, they a lot of them come up with weird conspiracies that I can't agree with. Um, but about Hollywood being uh, cannibals and such, you know, I think that the, it's a possibility. And the reason why I say that is because for centuries, there has been secret societies that have harvested child blood. And when the children have adrenaline pumping through the blood, it has a chemical called... Um, Adrenochrome, adrenochrome, which uh, help produces a euphoric high and youthful vitality, which is very interesting considering that, you know, it seems like the elitists are doing this in an effort to stay young. I don't know. I mean, Tom Cruise. <laughs> I mean, I like Tom Cruise. He's one of my favorite actors, but he looks incredibly good. Um, Alec Baldwin is also on the list and he also is aging pretty well. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if this was something that was happening. Um, and unfortunately, like we saw in the documentary with Jeffrey Epstein, there are backdoor deals that are incredibly disgusting that um, get pedophiles off and such. Um, and when, so I think that uh, 
that this kind of stuff is very possible. And I don't think that either side is not guilty. I think that Donald Trump has had stuff to do with it. I think that Hillary Clinton has had stuff to do with it because Bill Clinton was in on it. And Bill is practically Hillary's puppet considering how evil and how much power she has. Even when he was in office, he would look over to her and wait for her approval when he was giving speeches. So <laughs> really interesting to you know, kind of see this unfold and to see who's guilty. Granted, I think that all of them are guilty. And I think that, like I've said before, no politicians are on our side because they're watching their own asses and that's all they care about. Because if so, they would be making a huge stink about this crap. Um, so they'd be, they'd, I mean, they should be losing their minds. These are our daughters, our sisters, our mothers. So I, I you know, I think that, that this kind of stuff should have huge attention brought to it but all the fbi and the government wants to carry care about is antifa which obviously isn't too threatening if you stand up to them uh, in the way you should uh, hence second amendment and boys wearing hawaiian shirts boogaloo boys uh redacted now you can't really say that so we are cnn boys and we report the news we are the news um but anyways, so that that's going to, I mean, just brief talk on human trafficking. I want to get back to the Kanye 2020, Vision 2020. Um, I think he's going to take votes from the left because a lot of leftists realize that, um, that Joe Biden is a terrible candidate. And uh, they're probably, a lot of them are probably, especially in this heighted time of race, uh, are going to want to see a black man in office, which is going to be very interesting to see how that happens. Um, and I think that many, you know, Bernie supporters are actually going to go to Kanye West because Bernie is very anti-establishment. And other than Joe Jorgensen, who isn't a celebrity like Kanye West and doesn't quite have the following Kanye West has, uh, Kanye West, other than Joe Jorgensen, is probably the most anti-establishment candidate that there is. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of vote she's, uh, he steals from the, the Democratic side, and also even the Libertarian side, because I know, especially regarding Joe Jorgensen's remarks on Black Lives Matter, that a lot of Libertarians haven't supported the party and haven't supported Joe Jorgensen when she said that it is not enough to be passively not racist, we must be actively anti-racist. And there are some flaws to that, followed by hashtag Black Lives Matter. She later clarified that Black Lives Matter is she supports the movement and not the organization, which many libertarians do, such as myself. Um, but being actively anti-racist suggests that one might need to violate the NAP. And if someone who is racist is not violating the NAP, then the NAP shouldn't be violated against them. And for those of you that don't know what the NAP is, the NAP is the non-aggression principle, which states basically that you, you can't screw with someone unless they screwed with you. So if someone's on your property they're viol and they're causing harm or clearly unwelcome, then they're violating the non-aggression principle and therefore you can violate the non-aggression principle in retaliation. It's basically its own justice system in a sense. So if someone's racist and they personally believe that a person is inferior to them, so far as they aren't threatening or hurting anybody else, then they should not have the NAP violated against them. Now, I'm not for racism. I'm not racist. I have many friends of color, um, but I think that I mean, if you, you sh people should be able to believe what they want to believe in their personal life, and that goes either way. I mean, I wouldn't ever advocate for violating the non-aggression principle on someone who feels that uh, African Americans are superior to whites. I just, you know, you can believe what you want to believe, but so far as you aren't forcing your ideals on anyone, so far as uh, 
so far as you are not violating the non-aggression principle or harming anyone else, then you can believe what you want to believe. Um, so, you know, Kanye, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he took fourth place, if he actually does this. I wouldn't be surprised if he took third. I know that for sure. I thought maybe for a second there that Joe Jorgensen, you know, would be able to gain steam after a Joe Biden won the nomination for the Democratic Party. But the steam hasn't picked up like I would have hoped to see. So it is uh, kind of disappointing for me to... Uh, I was hoping that maybe she'd be able to get second place after Trump, but whatever. I And I definitely think that Trump's going to win, and I think that people who don't think Trump's going to win are kidding themselves. Because um, Donald Trump, many of his supporters, the vast majority of his supporters, and the vast majority of the middle of the road are going to go for Donald Trump. Because even though he's an asshole, even though he's kind of ignorant, even though he doesn't really know what he's doing... He's better than Joe Biden because Joe Biden can't even formulate a sentence. I'm not saying that, that that's what I think. I think that both of them suck and I shouldn't, I won't pick the lesser of two evils, but I think that many people feel forced into that because of the way the two-party system in this nation's politics operate. So I think that Donald Trump is going to win again by a landslide. I'm, I'm guessing that Donald Trump is going to have in the 300s for electoral votes. But I guess that we will, we'll see how that goes down come November. In addition to that, I am actually needing to say that I am extremely upset with uh, the left and stuff right now because, I mean, all it is right now is race baiting. If you look on CNN and, and, the, and the kind of comments that are going on, I mean, everything is race baiting. And if anyone says anything that's even slightly against Black Lives Matter in its entirety, they're, they're, um, they're terrible people and they're canceled and stuff. And even Terry Crews, who is a black man that says... You know, and he didn't even come out and say anything necessarily bad about Black Lives Matter. He said all Black Lives Matter and that Black Lives Matter should be focusing on black on black crime and basically helping their own community, which I would agree with. Um, you know, it takes, you know, I, I just I, <laughs> I, I think that uh, clearly we see uh, escalation and violence in predominantly black areas. That's why big cities where most blacks live. And I can talk about why that is in a second um, are so violent. There's such bad uh, crime going on in Chicago and even Minneapolis and Atlanta and Detroit, you see escalated amounts of violence that are unprecedented anywhere else in the nation. And the reason why that these big cities are so heavily populated, there's two reasons for it. Now, the first reason dates back to the 1890s when there was like mass immigration coming through up till the 1920s. And what would happen is immigrants would come over um, and this isn't just African-Americans, um, but people of color in general and immigrants in general would come over, many of them being African-American um, and or even or even people who are already here that didn't have a job. Employers would say, look, I'll give you housing. I'll give you this and that. All we want is your vote. And at the time, those votes were going to the Democratic Party. Um, so that is why. And another reason why is because Franklin Delano Roosevelt, particularly when he took his campaigning trip to Chicago, deeply embedded with his programs um, that he announced the alphabet programs, alphabet soup. Um, would benefit the African-American communities in those areas, which is why African-Americans in the United States are so deeply embedded into the Democratic Party. Now, if I were an African-American, I would find it insulting that whether it be Trump, whether it be FDR, whether it be Biden, if anyone offered these programs to me as incentive to vote for them is bullshit. Because as an American, and especially as a black American, I would feel that 
it is insulting to talk to me as if I cannot provide for my own family without the support of the government. And I think that that is incredibly insulting to most African-Americans because you are not only outlining a precedent, but setting an expectation that African-Americans Americans in the United States cannot provide for the family, for their families themselves and uh, need assistance from the government, which I find incredibly insulting and demeaning. And I think that it's, it's just disgusting and it's something that's often looked over. I, I think that with the support of many people, um, African communities can come together as a whole. And I think that one of the reasons why it's so built up, this is something I'll get into a little bit later as well, which is one of the reasons why African communities in a lot of places are so strong is because of churches. And I know that churches, although shouldn't be instated in government, are a way of bringing people together without the use of government. And I think that they're extremely useful tools, regardless of theological beliefs, uh, for particular reasons, which I'll talk about in a minute. I'm going to talk about why churches shouldn't be taxed. So I think that there are many things that communities can do, because you're not going to change everything. As much as I'm an individualist, you're not going to change everything as a whole. I can say what I want about government. I can say what I want about why Joe Jorgensen should be president. But without the power of the people, us, the people, we are the power. Without the power of the people, nothing is going to happen. So you need to get people on board with your ideas and you need to have a group effort. And that's one of the beautiful things about this country is that in a lot of ways, it's a collective, collective, a voluntary collectivism between individuals coming together to fight for a common good. And I think that it would do the African-American community greatly if as a culture, they could decide that, hey, you know what? We are going to fix these things. We are going to fix... Um, the 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 black on black crime and stuff like that and that being said on an on a on a scale of cultural paradigm shift would then uh get rid of um any what might be seen as racism in political positions or in positions of government now i don't think that the government itself is racist i don't think the system is racist and the reason why i say that is because there's nothing in the constitution that's racist there's nothing that's racist in liberty and justice for all and natural rights so, you know, there were slave owners and stuff, and I, and I get that, but that's something, I mean, 25% of African-Americans in the South owned slaves back in the Civil War era and, pre, and pre-Civil War. So I think that to say that the whole entire thing is just racist and that the theory of human rights is racist is absolutely obscene and ridiculous. And so I think that, and that being said, I think that African-Americans are doing themselves harm by wanting to take away those rights and wanting to instill more government because that just goes further into the into the precedent that African-Americans need government assistance for whatever reason. So I think that it would be good for African-Americans to, you know, also support the fact that, hey, you know, they're Americans, they have rights, we're humans, we're all humans, we all have rights, we all have these rights, and that we can make it work without needing the, the crutch of the government. And then now I'm going to lead into why churches shouldn't be taxed. And honestly, I could probably write a book on this. I don't want to. I don't want to make it too long. I want to keep it somewhat short, um, because th- I mean I only have so much time, and I don't want people to get bored listening to this. So to to break it down step by step, the churches get their money because members of that church or even just donors voluntarily donate to that organization. So if you're going to tax the churches, you're just taxing money that people have donated to the churches. Hence, you're taxing the American citizens once more. 
why the fuck do we need another tax? Why on earth should Americans be taxed once more? Taxation is theft. So that's, that's, that's one part of it. On average, and this is some stats that I actually heard from Joe Jorgensen as she was speaking, I believe it was in a debate, um, that, it, that it takes, on average, a, a church 10 cents to get a dollar to a place. To, so if, if you donated $3, then it would take 30 cents for the church to get that $3 to a food shelter, for example. For the in order for so so it's gonna you're gonna get two dollars and seventy cents to the to whatever organization that that's per average and for a nonprofit it's something like thirty cents and for government it's a dollar and thirty cents so if you donate two dollars to the government then you're gonna have seventy cents going to whatever they're putting that towards. It's inefficient. And this is like what I say all the time. Government is inefficient. It's an expensive middleman that no one needs. And that voluntary interactions could just take care of by themselves. We don't, we don't need the government. We don't need the government's crutch. We don't need the government's corruptness and disgustingness. And oftentimes, like Joe Jorgensen says, and, and I get my ideas from a lot of different people, but she has some great examples. The government often hurts people that it tries to help. And that's true in most scenarios. Like the government can come out and say, hey, look at these poorer black communities where we can help you with these programs. Well, what is that doing to the incentive of African-Americans to work and create a living and contribute to that society if you're making them believe that they need these programs in order to stay afloat? I mean, it's not right. It's wrong. And this, I mean, it just proves that the government is destructive in itself. And so the government is not efficient at getting means anywhere. The government is not efficient at, at regulating the means of production. So why on earth would we take away an opportunity for people to donate to a nonprofit, not necessarily nonprofit, because churches can be labeled as nonprofit, but to an organization that you're voluntarily donating to for whatever they use that money for, which... I mean, if you're voluntarily donating to it, then you clearly don't have a problem with wherever that money is going to help people because it helps people much more efficiently than the government does. And it and by taxing the churches, it would almost diminish any incentive to donate to your churches because you're just being taxed on the money that you're donating. It would slow down the process and expense and make the process more expensive to get money to certain places. Um from a church to a charity or to, and one of the greatest examples is I know many churches do their own functions, but I, you know, being in Utah, um, the LDS church with the Bishop storehouse and the, the noodle making factories that they have here. I mean, they do so much stuff for the communities around here and they put a lot of money into helping the needy. And imagine if that money was taxed. Now, all of a sudden, you have like 40% less money going through that and going straight to the government. For what? So they can spend it on corporate bailouts, so they can spend it on needless wars overseas, so they can give the politicians a raise? Because you know they're not going to cut our taxes with it. That's never going to happen. And we pay more than enough taxes to be freaking communist. So, I, I mean, it's obscene. The government's terrible with our money, so I don't know why we'd want money that could efficiently help people going somewhere else. But in the sense of providing solutions outside of government, being a libertarian, that's what I do. Um, I, I like to provide uh, solutions to issues outside of the government. And one of the things that I like to use is foster care. It's a terrible system. It's screwed up um, and, it, and it's hard on the kids. And it would be a lot easier if we had these kind of systems embedded into religious groups. 
Um, now I know that specific religious groups, particularly <clears throat> Catholics, have uh, issues with children, but I think for the most part, uh, we have those same issues on a greater scale when it comes to government. Um, so I think that transferring those to a voluntary sector to where it's like, you don't need to rely on just the government for something because the only option is a terrible option when it comes to stuff like that. It just adds, I mean, by taking that away and by decentivizing, decentivizing that, it adds just another feature to the endless crutch of reliance that we have on the government that we could easily overcome if we were just led to do voluntary transactions on our own. You know, many people are like, well, that would never work because of X, Y, and Z. You know, people aren't going to want to donate and whatnot. And the basic thing is, is that if you, if you, so say you have an issue like the roads, you can't tell me that if you got to keep all of your paycheck and there was no taxes whatsoever, and you had these roads that were able to use, you wouldn't, you wouldn't contribute voluntarily to that. Because if, if someone's not willing to pay for it, then clearly it's not, it's not worth putting money into. And if, as a society, we decide to look at ourselves and say, okay, this isn't going to happen without my peace, then it's going to get together and it's going to happen if people decide to act on that. And one of the the biggest examples that I see volunteerism work and, and just kind of stuff take form without any sort of coercion or even necessary leadership is when the big boys got redacted and we have been kind of without a name ever since the Boogaloo started getting shut down and censored and pages started getting shut down. So there was a few ideas, the Catalina wine mixer and the Sombrero salsa party and La Grande Fiesta. And the one which is my personal favorite, which has, which has emerged as the new name, is the CNN boys. And I personally like it because how much harder is it going to be for Facebook to censor something that has CNN in it? I mean, that's going to be ridiculously hard and it's, and it's something that's going to stick very well. And it's, it's almost incognito because, you know, we are the news, you know, it's, it's like one of our things. We ask each other, are you out reporting the news today? I mean, it's, it's, it's like incognito and it's, I think it's awesome. Um, and that emerged without any sort of official decision as the new name. No one needed to no one needed to come out and say this is our new name. It's just something that just emerged. It just happened. And that's the kind of stuff that that happens when you let the free market handle stuff and you just let voluntary transactions handle stuff. And who even knows? Who even knows? I mean, if you just had the free market without like a government monopoly on something like roads, for example, I mean, we might not even need roads anymore because there would be more effective modes of transportation. But because the government has a monopoly on roads and a, and makes gas so important and X, Y, and Z, then it it creates a, a sort of dependency on that uh, on that service, I guess you could say, and doesn't really allow people to. Um, or allow the market to reach outside of that because the government and its monopolies ends up just restricting people more than it ends up helping people. And like I've said before, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again, the government doesn't invent stuff, they monopolize it. And that's, and that's just truth. So back to my disappointment with the Democratic Party. I don't want this to turn into a race war. I don't want a race war. Okay, can't we just agree that everyone gets liberty and justice? Like, liberty and justice for all, please. Like, let's just, yeah, okay. Like, you can say whatever you want. Like, you know, institutionalized racism this, institutionalized racism that. How about we just all agree liberty and justice for all and call it good? Another thing that happened in Utah was the district attorney, after he said that a shooting of... um 
Oh, I forget his name. Hold on one sec. Um, after he said that the shooting of um, Bernardo... Ex- excuse my uncultured whiteness here. Bernardo Palacios Carbajal um, was was just by the officers, which after looking into it, I mean, I can see why he would take that perspective. But after, upon decide, I would need to see more information and look into it a little bit more. But upon deciding that, there was huge protests at the DA's office and they were painting in red blood, breaking windows and stuff. And, you know, they, the governor came out, Gary Herbert, and, he, you know, he's pretty much as middle of the road as it gets, which makes sense why he was elected governor here in Utah. Um... He said, basically, we wanted the protest to be peaceful, so it wasn't, so we went ahead and took action. And that's pretty much exactly what Utah's been when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I've said, I probably said this before on the show, but I, I, you know, I, I used to think that before, especially I went to the Black Lives Matter protest, and even while I was there, I, I kind of thought to myself, I was like, well, Utah isn't really that bad when it, comes to, when it comes to oppressive cops. Like, yeah, we have stupid cops to give out, you know, speeding tickets for going three over and, you know, they'll prosecute a 19 year old for having a cigarette and all this stupid kind of bull crap, which shouldn't even be laws. Um, given the culture here in Utah, it doesn't surprise me that that's the case. Um, but actual like really huge issues, like people dying in the streets. I didn't think that was a big issue, but it turns out that per capita, Utah has more cop killing citizens than any other state, which I found absolutely shocking. But I mean, I guess that was a real stat, and I and I I guess I could try and look that up real quick. Um, sorry, I'm just looking this up real quick. But apparently, Utah has the most. Um, so mapping police violence, it's the website, and. Uh, I guess I guess it has one for rates of police killings by state, all people, and then for black people. So I don't know. It's it's different. I don't I don't see the need to have that kind of it in there. But Utah um, has very very. It's along with New Mexico at uh, thirty police killings per one million people for the highest for blacks, and then it is um, well, probably somewhere around its size sixteenth. In, in in it it's size in uh square miles and um, probably about sixteenth rating in um in all people behind Idaho in front of Oregon, New Mexico being the highest for both, which is or for all people, I mean and then Alaska is the highest for black people. Uh but that is from January two thousand thirteen to December two thousand nineteen. So maybe that was something that was uh, just in 2020, but I do remember seeing that statistic, and I do not remember the source on that, so uh, glad I could kind of look look over that again and reconsider that, but it was it was right along with almost every other state in front of it, very close numbers um, in regards to all people, but I mean, I guess Utah, I mean, and now that I, th- I mean, thinking about it, you know, Utah, you know, given that that statistic is a thing, I guess you don't really see about it as much, probably because there's so much support for the government, blind support for the government and the police here, that it doesn't really get talked about. Um, Another thing, that being said, talking about Utah and the culture and stuff, I am working, I'm trying to do a joint podcast, um, a joint episode or going on the KSL talk show to talk about Joe Jorgensen's campaign. And maybe even I can go on there with uh, 
or inspire them to get Dr. Cottom on there who's running as a libertarian because I sometimes listen to it as at work, the KSL News, my boss likes to have it on. And I remember a former Republican congresswoman was, they were talking about if the two-party system was good. And of course, you know, being a former Republican, she said that, oh, the two-party system has done great for America, which is bullshit. And I think that everyone pretty much knows that the two-party system is screwed up and corrupt. Um, but then another, uh, one of the other ladies who's who's usually a host on there was, was saying that, uh, that the two-party system has failed America and that we need to see different perspectives and more middle-of-the-road passages. And many people would say libertarianism isn't a middle-of-the-road way because it's an extremist way, but I don't know. I think that middle-of-the-road way, I mean, it makes sense to say that libertarianism is a middle-of-the-road way by saying that, hey, don't tell me what to do, don't screw with me, and I'll do the same for you. And everyone can decide how to live their lives by themselves because no one lives your life other than yourself, and you're the the best person to decide how you should live your life. So I think that uh, libertarianism is very middle-of-the-road, but whatever, what do libertarians now just it's it's funny um i actually much i used to like you know when i was a trump supporter back in 2016 i i used to like to watch the debates between um hillary clinton and donald trump and i thought that they were really good but uh having being a libertarian now i would just say that nothing entertains me more than listening to a libertarian debate because there's so many different subcultures and philosophies to libertarianism that branch out in so many routes a principled versus a practical route um and then you have as far as anarchists and localizationists like adam kokesh yeah i mean you have people who are anarchists like vermin supreme People who are localizationists like Adam Kokesh. People who are very principled libertarians like Jacob Hornberger. You have people who are um, more on the principled side but a little bit practical as Joe Jorgensen. And then you have people who are extremely practical like Judge Jim Gray. And uh, for example, Judge Jim Gray is, is practical in the sense that you're not going to, if you come out as most libertarians do and say legalize all drugs, then you're not going to get very much support. But if you take the route that uh, Judge Jim Gray does and say that, well, if we regulate it like alcohol, then you're going to get a lot more support from that, which I mean, I guess makes sense in some senses, but I don't believe that that should be the case scenario. And many libertarians um, want to be principled instead of, uh, instead of, kind of be weak on their principles and, um, now oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I'm kind of, I'm lost for words right now. Sorry. It's been a long week. Um, but instead of compromise and, you know, make it a little bit more realistic, they like to stay principled and stuff, which I also understand because compromise is the quickest way to lose rights. So, um, and then you have people pretty much the only, uh, everyone, but Judge Jim Gray says, nope, just legalize it. The free market will regulate it itself. And that's one of the basic things that um, I, I always say whenever the people say, well, what about this without government? Well, the free market will give a solution. And that's basically, I mean, you know, I mean, I realize that I'm not smart enough to have the answers to every, every question, but the free market brings out the intelligence in everyone and it provides everyone an opportunity to succeed based on your skills. So I don't really need to worry about every single little thing because I'm not equipped to handle every single little thing. Um, but I know that I know that the market will will handle the problems uh, that that come our way in society. There are smarter people that will figure that kind of stuff out. And I know that as as a people, we aren't we aren't going to get completely screwed over or anything like that because of the level of intelligence that we have in humanity that we have. And with no huge news, um, really, other than 
uh, more COVID cases and whatnot. So states beginning to reshut everything down. An update on Utah, you know, it has been encouraged a lot of stuff, wearing masks, social distancing and whatnot. But Herbert said he does not plan to shut down the economy. So I guess we'll see how that goes. Um, but aside from that, uh, that is basically all for this episode of Utah Liberty Talk. A little bit of a shorter one, but might be a little bit easier for the listeners to listen to. Um, again, I want to encourage you guys to visit uh, libertyandboogforall.com for some uh, libertarian ideal gear and such. Um, and I wanted to thank you guys for listening and supporting the podcast.